This episode of the Pocket Now Weekly is brought to you by Ops Genie. Things can go wrong for your business, and they will. So it matters how quickly you can get things fixed up. Thanks to Ops Genie, you can get your operations and developer teams on the problem fast with the right scheduling tools and escalation paths. With Ops Genie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit OpsGenie.com to sign up for a free company account for up to five team members. No credit card required. That's O-P-S-G-E-N-I-E.com. Never miss an alert again with Ops Genie from Atlassian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 332 of the weekly brought to you by Pocket Now and XDA Developers, recorded on this Friday, the 16th of November, 2018. Around here, we never get tired of talking about, in this case, exploding phones, phones with notches, and complaining about not having an edit button on Twitter. So there's your quick preview of today's show. So pick your poison and let's get into it. Of course, I am Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? I'm so happy to be back inside of my office. Um, the travel for the last month and a half has been insane. I haven't been home in LA, as you can see for more than a few days at a time which is nuts but i'm finally back for a couple of weeks before i leave again thankfully i'm not going anywhere um too far so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later during our break back with us this week is our friend my first episode with him on the pocket now weekly tk bay how's it going brother I'm doing good, man. How you been? I miss you guys. It's it's been it's been a minute since we last hung out. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I'm glad to be on the show again. When was the last time I saw you? Was it the it was a Razor event, right? Yep, that was yeah. our last show, uh, and then right before then, you know, it just it's been busy, and uh, I've been enjoying all those pictures you've been posting online, man. It <laughs> makes me want to go back to Paris. I've been very uh, fortunate over the last few weeks to be able to go to a bunch of different places, um, but obviously the the number one thing, if anyone. Uh, if anyone follows me on social media, you know that I was actually in Paris last week. So very fortunate for that. Uh, quick shout out to the girlfriend, Isa Rodriguez. I would never think that I would end up in, quote unquote, the city of love with my girlfriend. So there's a lot of pictures of that that TK is referencing. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, speaking of someone I haven't seen in a long time, another friend has popped in. It's Mark oh. Bursteiner. How's oh. it going, dude? Oh, here he is. He just <laughs> popped in. He snuck in out of the woodwork. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's going really, really well. It's been a busy, it's been a busy year, um, and I'm I'm just now getting my my fingers, eyes, mouth, body <laughs> back into the video creation swing of things. When I'm not doing video, I'm building, and now that we're we've built enough, it's time to start doing video and build. Yeah, it's it's great to see you back. The last time you and I Thank were on you. a cast together was with my previous show, and I'll never forget that episode. It was me, you, and Nicole Scott. That was one of the funnest ones I've ever done. <laughs> it was it was raunchy. It was <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah, it was a great one. All right, so why don't we go ahead and get into this week's stories. Uh, Mark, right before we went into our, uh, right before we hit the record button or the live button, uh, you made a good point about this week. It's not that crazy of a week for once. <laughs> yeah, for, I mean, like we needed the lull, honestly. Like we needed to take a breather after the last 60 days of phone after phone after phone. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about our first story for this week. Um, so apparently Intel is jumping into the 5G space. Everyone's talking about this crazy that is 5G. Uh, we heard about it from Qualcomm last year and then MediaTek, uh, where <laughs> who brought everybody out to Taipei to talk about their 5G stuff. Uh, Jaime, I'm super like envious of you for being in Taipei at the moment. Um, they have announced their own 5G modem that potentially would be able to make it into iPhones. Um, and uh, Apple apparently is going to adopt the 5G Intel modem for its iPhones in 2020. Now, the question here. Is that too late for 5G, like considering how much we're talking about it these days? No, no, come <laughs> on, come on. No, that's not too late. Like it, it, when we first started talking about 4G, I mean, the first few 4G phones that we got, I don't know if you remember how bad the battery life was on those babies. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and oh. how long it, it really did take for it to shake out, you know, exactly what constitutes 4G. Um, we had a lot of 3G and a half. Uh, uh, phones hitting the market. Um, And that's kind of what's happening right now. There's still a lot of discussion uh, that the the term 5G is still very much in contention for uh, what technology Mm -hmm. actually defines it uh, and who's going to get there first. I think 2020 is a reasonable reasonable projection, actually. Uh, Things in technology always move slower than you think they're going to, even though when you're in the slipstream, it feels like they're moving really fast. So I think this, this timing is spot on. 
Okay, cool. Uh, TK, any thoughts on that? I just realized also you're outside right now. <laughs> yes, uh, I decided to, uh, I had to go outside. I, it was more of, uh, you know, why sit indoors? Why not enjoy, you know, the scenery, that nature? That is true. Our friends hopefully over, a battery life. Oh, yeah, that's true. It is, I, I just realized our friends over on the East Coast right now, if Jaime were here, he'd be complaining about all the snow that's happening. And we don't have that in Cali. So. Oh, yeah, we've got, we've no, got plenty of No, I wanted to make sure here. people knew we got sun, we got good weather, it <laughs> You know, we got bamboo. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as far as as far as the 5G and the networks, uh, you know, yeah, Mark Mark's right on the spot there. We're still at the early infancy of basically even seeing a, a working model. I mean, Verizon mentioned it uh, with the Motomod, you know, a few months ago. We still have to see we still haven't even seen a working model. So the reality is 2020 for iPhone makes sense. I mean, Apple's not going to doubt anything that has not been proven. Not only that is good enough for them that it doesn't actually just kill their phones Obviously, as, as, as Mark mentioned, initial technology always drains battery because it's not optimized. That's the number one thing that happened to us when, when 4G first came out. It was just ridiculous battery life. Uh, yeah, agree. So, um, and I and I feel like okay, a little bit of snork coming from my side right now, but I don't think anybody has ever said that iPhones had amazing battery life to begin with. So maybe this is not going to be no. that big of a deal. <laughs> not on this episode, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and the thing is, like, okay, so what about this whole idea? And, and again, a little bit of snork coming from my side. Uh, I'm not trying to be on any one side or the other, but there is this 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 general thought in the technology space that. A lot of manufacturers, um, of course, Android being the other side of things, they will have 5G before the iPhones, and then everyone's going to say that the iPhones perfected something that was started before them. Like, could could that be the strategy, kind of going forward? I mean, <laughs> his, I I mean, if history has has taught us anything, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it is. It's one of those it begrudging will be in late 2020 by Apple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Well, speaking of uh, perfecting something before you release it, uh, apparently iOS 12.1 was just way too much for this one person's phone after their iPhone 10 uh, allegedly exploded after being upgraded to iOS 12.1. Um, so <laughs> I'm looking at the tweet right now, and this is a this is a gruesome photo, like not safe for life yeah, is not, not the really. term, not safe for phone. NS, wait, wait. Not safe for NSFP is what I'll say here. Um, yeah. That thing is done. Like it is it's, done. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it's popped on both sides. Yep. Yeah. Um, so apparently, according to the quote here over on Pocket Now, the iPhone 10 was still updating when he put it on charging and dark gray smoke started coming from the phone. The update was completed. And as soon as the phone turned on, it started to smoke and it caught fire. Holy hell. <laughs> that it is was nuts. using the standard charger, too. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look. It's it's 2018. We made it to the point where we're carrying like we we, we went to space with less than this. Mm -hmm. And we have one in our and people like us carry more than one in our pockets. We had to we I mean, like, think about how much power we're literally cramming into such a small physical space. You know, one one failure uh, hardware or software wise can be catastrophic. So yeah. don't sleep with your phone next to your face. But like yeah. what, what what could have this been? You know, uh, he, he plugged it in, this person rather, plugged it in, and it was updating. Like, I, these kinds of stories, mm -hmm. I would expect them to say something like, I put it under my pillow, or right. <laughs> something like that. My something guess is if it's new software, it's it's just regulating voltage, regulating uh, regulating the flow of power. If some rogue cycle gets stuck, mm -hmm. you're in a position where something's thinking that it needs to be pulling more than it actually needs to be. Yeah. Uh, all of these little circuits, in, both in the chargers and inside the battery and the software running yeah. on the actual device are all contributing to how much power is actually getting pulled or pushed. Is this a fear? No, definitely. Is this a fear for you guys? TK, is this a fear? Like, have you ever had a phone explode on you? Like, is this like, we, we, we work with a lot of phones. It's one of those things yeah. where you play the odds. Like, it has to happen to one of us eventually, right? <laughs> right. And the weird thing is I actually still have the first one of the first generations Note 7. Oof. It never exploded, luckily. But uh, yeah, for me, from the pictures, you could definitely see the swelling of the battery. It's popping from the, both on the front end and on the back end. So it's something to do with the battery. It's overflowing. The regulator may have just maybe gone malfunctioning. It's it's isolated, I guess, at this point. We haven't seen many like the way right. the, the Note series kind of went on. But yeah, the fact is, you're right. It could happen to any phone if any kind of manufacturer defect goes in. Uh, we carry, you know, I mean, this guy has a 4,200 milliamp battery, even bigger than the, than the iPhone. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. true. We don't want to be in a situation where things happen. And um, 
like I said, I'm hoping it's an isolated situation. I haven't heard many, but uh, I saw the the comments on the tweet. Uh, some people were making him swear that this was true uh, because some <laughs> people were just not believing the guy <laughs> what he what he said. So it was it was interesting. And which I say again to all of our listeners, play the odds, guys. If you are one of those people that went into the uh, the, the 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 Twitter uh, the tweet rather and commented on it, play the odds. Like we have millions and millions and millions of these running all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like at, at any given point, and you know it might be one of those things where like. People don't really report it. They just like they throw it away. Yeah. They don't go on Twitter. You know, there are there are many different types of climates in the world, and they test them in so many different climates. I would imagine that more exploding phones happen in super hot climates. How? Yeah, exactly. Where because as normally when you're charging it, the phone heats up anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, installing an update is very similar to when you're restoring data when you get a phone for the first time. Try to feel the back of that phone. It's working double time, downloading data, installing data. Yeah, all the processing power that it's really given to you is being used to make the phone workable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just be be safe and you know, don't do the pillow thing and don't try to put it in a situation where it could get, uh, you know, doesn't have enough air. But uh, unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate case for the iPhone 10. I want to do a video at some point about like watches, smartwatches and, and mostly fitness trackers, because I'm a big advocate mm-hmm. of like instead of having the phone next to you to do things like sleep tracking, wear something to do. Yeah. And yeah, I literally exactly. have one. I have a ring, a smart ring that I just got recently. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it at some point. Um, but yeah, it's things like that. Much better for for what you're trying to do if you're sleeping with your phone next to you. Um, okay, so from Apple, we move to its competitor, and they just had Samsung just had their developer conference very, very recently, and it was there that there were a number of bombshell. Uh, let's say, <laughs> kind of weird for me to say bombshell after our last story. <laughs> they had a Way number, to keep the conversation going, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a few. Uh, they had a few big announcements, and uh, one of them in particular is uh, well, it's the rumor mill that's actually moving now on the Galaxy S10, the anniversary mm-hmm. edition, if you want to call it that. Maybe they'll call it the SX. I hope not. It's going to be the S10. Uh, but one of the biggest announcements regarding this future phone is that apparently Samsung is indeed going to uh, move away from what has differentiated them from current phones and actually adopt the notch. Okay, hot takes, notches, hate them, don't hate them. Will you hate it on a Samsung? I'm fine with it. I mean, (laughs) like, look, this year was, I was bored out of my mind this year phone-wise anyway, right? Notches, notches were always a stepping stone. Not my favorite thing, but even on the essential phone, it really it melted away and stopped bothering me. It doesn't mm-hmm. really bother me very much on the on the Pixel Three XL, um, but it is so nice when you do get something like the Note Nine uh, or you know the Vivo Next or anything that's ultimately truly bezel-less and notchless. Um, but this compromise that we're talking about here with Samsung with the S10 is a is a punch out and. I do think that's maybe one of the more creative solutions. Um, I really like this idea. I just hope that they can get closer to a through display camera solution sooner because uh, as nice as it will be to have an edge to edge display, it's sort of effectively the same thing. It's really just an aesthetic move forward, a small step forward. Um, you're yep. ultimately still going to have a chunk of this display that's relegated to that punch hole uh, or to whatever pseudo notch it is in that context. Not until we get straight through the screen are we going to see a scenario where the, the camera really sort of goes away and appears in the appropriate context. Mm. But I am really amped to finally see Samsung doing uh, doing more in terms of pushing the envelope in terms of form factor and what we expect from our devices. Um, I keep hoping, I keep saying year over year, maybe this will be the year that manufacturers start doing something more exciting than a glass sandwich. You know, uh, we just saw the red hydrogen with, with metal and carbon fiber and all this stuff that you do make sacrifices for, but it's time to start start exploring uh, mm-hmm. more in terms of the materials for the oodles of applications that we're going to start using these devices for now that they are quite so powerful. I cannot wait for us to move away from uh, these consumption and, uh, you know, attention retention, attention retention devices uh, and more toward a, a tool that we use in our everyday lives with our hands, uh, which we don't really use our phones for very much for today. I see a couple of people in our live chat saying they like the punch out because it's not egregious as far as notches go. But also, don't yep. we just love Samsung's terminology here? Like I'm looking at the article now and it says that they have the punch out, which technically is the teardrop. 
And then we also right. have the ultrasonic in-display fingerprint reader. It's an in-display fingerprint reader, guys. Come on. Um, right. <laughs> their own, and then the Infinity O display, which, I mean, who knows what kind of jokes can come out of that. Uh, TK, some, t- some thoughts out of, uh, some thoughts about this particular device. Um, rumor mill, obviously. I, We're going to see it in a few months, but uh, what um, do you think? Yeah, no, no, definitely. It's, uh, I, I think it's a... I think where we have this is this is a kind of a stepping stone to what Mark was referring to. It's hopefully the behind the display type of technology. I think the uh, the obsession of having that whole bezel-less thing, we, and we've seen different manufacturers. The the notch is not always going to be the answer. You have the slider option with the cameras in the back, kind of like the Magic 2 did, or, or even the Mi Mix 3. Uh, but the reality is, I think once we, we, can, we can get behind that, where you know the fingerprint sensor is now behind the display, getting the camera behind there, that just kind of fixes the issue. And then hopefully... We can start breaking away from the sandwich kind of concept, getting maybe different form factors, something a little bit better. So uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I've heard some rumors also that some other manufacturers may be going down the same route with the punch out. So uh, anything to make it better. And my only hope, and I really hope if Samsung is listening to this, is just do not take the headphone jack. Whatever you do, don't try to justify Whatever concept of combination, you take the headphone jack because that's like literally your bread and butter right now. It's like a really very unique thing. You So, yeah, I'm all for the display thing, but keep the headphone jack, please. Okay, there we go. So we know where TK draws his line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hard and fast. the headphone jack. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and then during that particular developer conference, uh, they they dimmed the lights down low because things were about to get flexible. So the Infinity Flex display became a thing, uh, and sure enough, there was this like device that that uh, the gentleman was holding in his hands that then folded. And what we're looking mm-hmm. at here is not only a foldable display that folds inward, much like a DS, uh, but there's also an outer. 4.6 inch Super AMOLED cover display that unfolds. Um, so you still have a screen that you can use in the more general like you know, phone configuration like this, but then it folds out to become a 7.3 inch Super AMOLED main display. Now, yep. the uh, <laughs> the apparently uh, this is going to be one of those things where due to the innovation of something like a foldable display, we're going to probably have to reconcile a few of the other factors of this phone. Uh, number one, the fact that with all of this display and everything that it can do, apparently it's going to cost a pretty penny. <laughs> and yep. one analyst is suggesting that the foldable smartphone might be in the neighborhood of 2 million won, which roughly translates to almost $1,800. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just got a okay. laptop for that price and I can't, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's know. why. Yeah, it, it, that's a lot, right? And um Oh my goodness! I just don't know how to how to feel about a phone like that. As awesome as a foldable display might be, as awesome as that might make our smartphone future, are you that jazzed about it that you would pay that much? I I don't know if I, I would I would go as much as paying more. Like as you just said, I I personally also bought a laptop as well. I'm talking to you guys on it right now, um, and it, this is more than yeah, even a well specced out laptop, a gaming laptop, even that I'm using for editing. I I think initially what we're seeing here is really it's a proof of concept, right? Mm. They're going to try to get it to market. Uh, they want to be able to get the first quote quote unquote kind of uh, statement. Um, and I think we saw it. I mean, it does actually exist. He had one in his hand. He was able to fold it, um, although very gently. We still don't know all the parameters <laughs> behind it. Uh, the reality, I think it's I think it's great that we're able to push it. I'm still not a hundred percent sold on the concept that we really want a foldable display yeah, because. Yeah. Agreed. It's 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 kind of the I know it's a different form factor, but is it the right way to go? So I agree. I totally agree with you, dude. Like I I still haven't. I, I've seen Westworld. I've seen. I've you know I love I love technology. I like Fisher <laughs> and I like both love Westworld. So like I'm I'm in hypothetically and in theory. Um, but in practice, in the more practical sense, I'm not 100 percent sure what I what I do think. Um, I'd like to see more of is just a little bit more uh, outside the box thinking like we were just saying with that with the whole punch cut out like more along those lines because um, in fact I think in, in the in the show notes we've got this article this other this other Samsung clamshell flip phone mm-hmm. display um, and I think maybe there's a lot more opportunity there to to try and get us to where we need to be pra- more practically um, in terms of the features and benefits of what we get out 
of the device, uh, whether that means taking that outer display and replacing it with something uh, that is low power, lo-fi, maybe it's, it's e-ink, black and white, whatever, uh, and replacing the inner key set of the, you know, the numpad uh, with a, another more practical display. Um, so that it's it's still it doesn't necessarily need to fold for it to have a similar use case for it to have a similar purpose. So uh, I'm not super sold on it, and and sure sure as hell not at that price tag. Like that that's wackadoodle do. Yeah, for sure. And I and, and personally, I would feel like a foldable display would make for a phone. I mean, I know that a lot of us, especially in the tech space, that we do like shows like this, we say that you know make the make the phone thicker. Who cares if we get yeah. features that we want. This is one of them. Like, once you fold that thing, it's probably going to be a little... Remember the Axon M? Like, it was a different kind of folding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was thick and sharp. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing is, if you guys got a chance to see the... Uh, now, after he folded it, obviously, it was in a case. You couldn't see the phone. Right. But on the actual uh, the presentation package, they actually showed you somewhat of an outline of how the actual phone folds. And it's not 100% folding. It's oh, no. it's more of a, a teardrop. Kind of, so it's kind of a fold, but it doesn't really fold all the way. So it's more of a bendable uh, than a foldable. I would really, yeah, like I said, I'm really like, cannot flexible. wait to see. Yeah, it, it looked like it, yeah. it bent. I wish I had a piece of paper near me because, oh, here. Flexible, so, not foldable. It doesn't. It, you can't. You, it doesn't fold all the way into the crease. Yeah, it's so it's almost exactly. like that more. It's like that more. But, yeah, and, yeah, and that to me, it, it's more of a flexible than foldable. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, this would. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is the flex, the flex display. So they're not saying like Infinity Fold or anything like that. So right. Yeah, yeah, that. no, definitely. Um, but we do have a truly foldable Samsung device that was uh, that was brought to light. Um, this is this is the continuation of a device line I've always wanted. Um, mm -hmm. The W2019, um, which I don't know if 2019 means next year, but the so basically this is this is a flip phone. I miss, flip, I miss flip phones so much. Um, so what we have here are two different 4.2-inch AMOLED displays, one on the inside and one on the outside. So you can still use the phone theoretically, um, like, fully. I mean, obviously, you should have yeah. all the elements still on that outside display, but then you open it up, and it's a clamshell phone. Um, and it's powered by the Snapdragon 845. Great. Powered by 6 gigs of RAM. Great. There are options of 128 gigabytes and 256 gigabytes of onboard storage and a dual 12-megapixel camera. Why don't we see more of this? Also, 3,000 right. milliamp hour battery. Um, why don't there's we see your, more There's of this? your front-facing camera issue resolved right there. You know, like mm -hmm. you, you flip it open and now you've got a screen looking at you. Like I forget, what was that phone I think like last week that had that separate screen on its back? For, for selfies. Oh, the Nubia, the Nubia. The Nubia X. The Nubia. Yes, thank you. Yeah. You know, there. I think we can be just a little bit more creative if we think, I mean, Grant, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a hardware guy. I don't make phones. I just use them. I likes them, you know. <laughs> I likes the phones, um, but I, I I feel like there's more opportunity here um, to to sub out this numpad for something a little bit more modern and contemporary, mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know that I I feel like I, I'll have I'll take a flip phone any day. Yeah, definitely. TK, when, what was the last I've... flip phone you had? Oh man. The last, I, I want to say the Razer was the last one. The yeah. uh, the Motorola Razer was the actually true last flip phone. Because I think after that, I started going into the uh, MDA with Windows Mobile. And they were mostly all smartphone style or even the iPad. So, yeah, I, I've left the uh, the flip concept a while back. But I, I do like the way it looks. I like the form factor. I, I'm still trying to figure out is this functionality? Is it something that we can make it work for us? Uh, especially when we're, again, I mean, even... Today, we do have the thinner devices. We do have the bigger batteries. Uh, the W, the line of devices, have always been kind of more focused toward the Asian market, the business style. Uh, and I think we reviewed one at XDA, maybe I think earlier, it was like last year. Miles did a review for one of the devices. So it's it definitely has a market and, mm -hmm. you know, really excited to check it out. It but looks it's like so it's spec'd out. But it's so weird, right? Like we have, we, we flip phones used to be like so, so common. And nowadays, oh, yeah. with our you know current smartphone lives, uh, now it's being used as Jules said in the uh, in the chat here. It's like it's like a symbol of the uppity tech person. You know, it's like it's like yeah. I have a flip phone and it's, it's a luxury item now because it's not so common, and yeah. which is kind of ridiculous because this phone. Oh, and also to that end, the last flip phone that Samsung made last year or two years ago 
they they gifted it to Jackie Chan. So they're seriously making this a they're making this like seriously a symbol of like Status elitism symbol, almost, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy, yeah. right? Um, and to that end, this phone is almost twenty seven hundred dollars when you right. when you translate yeah. it from Ruan Yuan uh, RMB. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a lot of what? Why? That, that that's my question. This thing better be made of like like gold. <laughs> yeah, the, the wiring will be really good. Uh, it'll have good conductive uh, properties with gold lining and everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Like you said, it's it's really marketed to be in that market. It's it's really it's kind of like when you you know the Porsche design of some of the other companies. Right. When you get the higher end, the Ferrari or the Lambo, the Lambo phone, the phone is more about status than it is about the internals. And but at this point, they kind of checked out both boxes. It looks really nice, and it's really specked out. So definitely, you know, as long as they release it within the near future before. The next Snapdragon comes out and it becomes last year's chipset. I think they probably have a good uh, good device there. I wouldn't mind checking it out just to see, you know, how does it actually work? The form factor, the feel, does it really make it, you know, give you that nice luxury kind of style that they're trying to sell? Yeah. And um, to, to harken back to the point we made earlier, um, for, yeah. for the features that we like in our phones, uh, if the phone's a little bit thicker, here's a great example. Yep. Like we have a phone that looks pretty awesome, has really cool things. It's a little bit thicker to accommodate all of that. We're fine with that. Just so you know, manufacturers, we're fine with that. Um, so TK just mentioned that this phone has the Snapdragon 845, but we also have a little bit more processor news. Um, and it has to pertain to the phone that Mark and I are using right now. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. So Mark actually like yeah, gave us this. Yeah, he gave us this story right when we were in the middle of uh, doing our first story. So what, what did you find, Mark? Oh, boy. <laughs> Mark, 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 was, Mark was digging. Uh, so, so check it out. As it turns out, there's there's a, a Russian site uh, that has. I clicked it and I couldn't read it. I was like, "What am I looking at here?" <laughs> well, I I have a thing called Google Translate that I use that helps <laughs> me read other languages. So I, I clicked that one, and when I read the article, boy oh, boy howdy, some real steamers in here. Uh, the Pixel Three Lite, as it turns out, oh, yeah. was a real thing. Did exist. These folks have one in the flesh. It's a baby version of the already baby Pixel 3, uh, which I've also been using and have loved despite the battery life really sort of falling short for me. The specs on it are really interesting. So remember, this is a Pixel 3 Lite. So it's a mm -hmm. 2220 by 1080 display for a PPI of 444. It's a 5.56 IPS display. So that's a big, oh. big shift. All right, and it's got a 670, a Snapdragon 670 under the hood, which has an Adreno uh, 615 on it. So it's eight of eight cores. Two two of those cores are the Adreno. Um, I'm I'm so confused and curious. Four gigs of RAM, <laughs> only 32 gigs of onboard storage. Oh, no micro SD card, and it's no. looking like the price range would be, may have been, may still be between four and five hundred bucks at some point in the first quarter of 2019. Um, I've seen some other rumblings that this is still in the cards to actually occur, uh, not something that was a, a killed, canceled product. Um, the camera is the same. It's not an inferior camera. So for everybody who's complaining about prices hitting, hitting the $1,000 mark, isn't this exactly what we're sort of asking for? It even has Quick Charge 4 from Qualcomm. Like... Uh, between four and five hundred bucks for for a no brainer to get like crisp clean Android software from Google when you've got a friend family member who's like yo I need a new phone my phone's about to take a poop and I need a new one and I don't want to think about it too hard and I know I like Android chuck this thing at him yep. yeah TK is losing his mind right now because I think you, you just sent the XDA developers article on it thank you for that um, oh yeah no no <laughs> as Mark was saying I was gonna say I saw it right before we got on I, I wasn't sure it was gonna be on the list but. Yeah, no, we we uh, we posted uh, we re we referenced the same source. I'm assuming uh, as Mark's referencing uh, for the article itself. It it looks honestly exciting to the, mm -hmm. hey the headphone jack is back. I was about to say. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. I missed that. that. That's me back that. at the store. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I we didn't got even a headphone say. jack. We got. I just had to ask, and it has to be materialized. That's really all it is. Yeah. Uh, but no, it 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 does. I really like the form factor. I really so I I'm having I finally have the opportunity to play with the Pixel Three. Mm. Um, on my channel and I'm working and I really like the form factor. Uh, I love the Pixel 3 XL. I've always been an advocate of bigger phones, bigger displays, but that form factor does something. It's weird. It's small, but it's powerful Hell and yeah. getting it to, you know, there is a big market for people that, you know, don't want the massive phone. 
this definitely answers it. The budget price is always going to make it appealing. And having Google's AI, and well, the, the, having the AR core behind it, the processing power to generate night sight, great pictures. Pixel visual. I think it's visual, a no-brainer. Yeah, this is going to be a this is going to be a really. I mean, if they get it before the holiday, they'll have better sales because if they try to shoot for 2019, it's going to be a little bit after. But it, I think it'll still do well. Um, yeah, 845. Um, all uh, the stuff. Jules is uh, chiming in so. in our chat over here. Uh, by the way, I just realized I didn't really introduce Jules is in the booth, obviously. Um, so Jules, <laughs> Jules is uh, chiming in in the chat here. Um, so there was a rumor that it was going to come with the Snapdragon 710, but there is a newer yeah. processor that, that Qualcomm did put out there. It's the 670. So that's what is being rumored is in this device. Um, and yeah, um, yeah the... I, yeah, I would love to see this. And I almost feel like this would have been called something like the, <laughs> it's weird, but, you know, you have Android One and the price point and the uh. specifications of something like this seem like mm -hmm. the kind of thing you would release in the markets that Android One and Android Go are all a part of. And I think if they did that, that would be amazing. I think that would be awesome. Um, I, 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 I know people from many different developing countries and like this would be a great entry point for Hell yeah. people like them. Yeah. I get so many yeah, people who are asking me who have a phone from three, four years ago that's finally on its way out, and the only thing they care about is the camera. The yeah, only yeah. thing they care about is I want a good camera at an affordable price. The rest they can take or leave. And there's no device on the market right now that I can send to them. for. Even, they're willing to pay 500 bucks, bucks tops up to like six in some situations. But if you want the best camera on the market... There's no way to do that without spending seven, eight hundred plus dollars at this stage. This fills that role. Yeah, hundred percent. I, like I think I, I really hope this this does materialize, and it's not just paperware rumors. Yeah, I mean, obviously 100%. we see the hardware, but I'm hoping that it's true hardware. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. and this would this would give a lot of phones a run for their money in terms of just like actual normal. Normal. Mm -hmm. I'm saying normal people. Uh, average person sales. Um, you <laughs> know, because because let's face it, we're not normal. Like we would look at this and be like, yeah, but I have the XL. But there are so many people out there who would be able to go to their carriers, go to their um, go go to stores that are in their local areas and see a $400 Pixel. That's unheard of. That's something that we haven't seen since the the Nexus days. And that's exactly. what yep. that's what I got so excited about the the Nexus Four in the first place. You know, yeah. like that's that's what the Nexus Five was for. It was the workhorse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so shifting gears one last time, going back to Apple a little bit. Um, there's uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a there's a bit of peripheral that's going to be used for the brand new iPad Pros that came out, um, and also the Mac Mini. Um, so the whole idea here is it's a it's a product called Luna Display. Now, yeah. apparently Luna Display lets iPads uh, become wireless displays for the Mac Mini. Now, I've seen so many tweets over the last number of days about the new iPads, about how people are trying to use them <laughs> as their laptop replacements. And like, while there are some really great aspects to the iPad, um, especially the newer, the newer ones, while there's some wonderful aspects to them that do replace certain features of a laptop, it is not a one-to-one -one laptop replacement. There's just no way. Um, quick shout out to, uh, uh, I think it was Marquez Brownlee who actually said on Twitter, and I laughed when I heard this, um, or when I saw this, uh, the iPad Pro is still a great, it's, it's a great tablet. It gets really close, but it still has iOS, and that's the number one problem. It was something I'm paraphrasing. Um, no, no, it, exactly. Yeah, so if it had if it had a if it had a better now here's the thing instead of using it as a full laptop replacement why not use it as a display <laughs> that's exactly what they're doing here um, so what it does here is um, essentially it's a Wi-Fi dongle that enables users to bridge the Mac Mini to the iPads as an extended display which kind of makes a lot of sense I didn't even know that the iPads or iOS rather would allow for that kind of functionality. Um, so oh, yeah. it's kind of nice that they have that. So any thoughts on this? Do you, do either of you, um, use iPads? Have you used the new one? Have not used I, the new one. Would love yeah. to. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a beautiful device, but as you said, it is running iOS and I have work to do. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine how, I mean, if I if I were an artist, if if I only relied on on this device for creative creation, like ideation and and uh, you know almost like a digital version of a, of a notebook, 
Yeah, okay. I can definitely get away with, you know, shooting off some emails here and there, but I can't open Premiere on that thing. I, I can't I can't do 89% of the things that I need to be able to do. You know, like if I'm editing yeah. a deck, I'm in InDesign. If I need to edit a vector, I'm in Illustrator full on proper, you know. Um, yeah. And I know that that Photoshop proper is coming to the platform, but um, things like this are, are, are like really cool parlor tricks that I, I hope Apple realizes they, they need to uh, stop making a market for. Um, products like this simply wouldn't exist if Apple would double down on on its users that uh, that use their products the most and and the most effectively. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think we're sort of still in that weird transitional period uh, where the C-suite of execs at the company is still sort of figuring out what to do after Steve's ideas list ran out. <laughs> Um, so I think they're just really, they've got a lot of tunnel vision on iOS. Uh, and I mean, I, I, in what scenario are you real, really going to use this? Like where it really what? feels like, it really feels like what the iPad needs right now is bootcamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Personally. <laughs> um, okay. TK, uh, some, some thoughts on the iPad pro, the Luna display, any of these things before we get into our break. I, you know, the reality, so this, just as a point of reference, uh, using as an, an iPad as an external monitor to a Mac is not necessarily a new thing. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had different solutions in the past using wired connections and downloading apps on them on the iPad. So the way this is implemented and why it's getting a lot of traction on social media, it's because it's using both of these two technologies and introducing touch interface into the Mac system. Because mm -hmm. of the actual iPad being a touch display, when you're using it over Wi-Fi with Luna, you're able to actually use touch display activity. You know, you can actually interface with the UI with touch. And that's, I think, why it's kind of catching a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And because it's on the Wi-Fi, I think the article referenced it is you can literally walk away from your iPad mini and still be able to connect to it and interface and get all the functionality of, you know, of, of basically a Mac OS interface. Um, is this the right solution? It depends. If you have, I mean, if you really want to get a, an, you know, an iPad that, I think for all intents and purposes, is a great iPad. It's just, as Mark said, I don't think can replace a productivity laptop at this, especially with the things that we need for content creation, uh, maybe for content consumption, but not creation yet. I think it's mm. overpowered for what it does in iOS. iOS needs to be, you know, basically it needs to move away. They should have it maybe an option having to boot up Mac OS. Maybe that may be an option. It has a USB-C port, which is really good. At least they're moving forward there. Um, the speakers, and I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the Jerry Rig video this morning. That just made me cringe. Um, you know, Apple beating uh, Samsung oh, foldable the, display. Oh, thing. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That, I saw that one. That was just killing me. But uh, uh, I think it's nice. I think for people that own both devices, uh, this is a very nice uh, addition. Uh, and Luna definitely made a lot of buzz. It's a great, great option. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I, I, I like it. It for what it does. I don't think it's really going to be replacing our laptop anytime in the near future. Yeah, some some quick thoughts from uh, Jules before we go to the break. Um, the uh, the impressions of it so far, as he's seen, say that it's low latency, so it could be oh, a yeah. viable solution. Um, personally, I think of it as like I'm always thinking of portable rigs. Um, I I yep. even travel with an eGPU to further power my uh, my MateBook X Pro, so I'm not adverse mm -hmm. to extra bits and pieces to make my laptop experience better. Uh, but yeah, the Mac Mini, you got to plug it in. But I think to myself, the Mac Mini, that's cool. Then you have the power adapter and then you have the iPad. That's not a bad, that's actually not a terrible travel rig. <laughs> like, no, that I think no it. It, it, it'll fit in your backpack, uh, you know, and you can have it up and running in any hotel. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Well, um, all those are all of our um, you know short stories for today. Let's go ahead and jump into a quick break before we dive into our main topic. The Pocket Now Weekly is brought to you by the National Security Agency. Almost every day, we hear something on the news about a cyber attack. Sometimes it's just a bunch of pranksters, but more often it's a foreign country with vast cyber resources trying to hack our power grid, our banking systems, or our military information networks. The National Security Agency plays a big part in protecting our country from cyber attacks, and you can help. The NSA is hiring technical professionals to serve on the front lines of information security. If you work in computer science, network Working, programming, or electrical engineering, you can help keep our country safe. Design new hardware systems and networks. Write faster, smarter programs. Protect America's critical infrastructure. 
or help uncover what our adversaries are planning to do next. Learn more about careers at the National Security Agency today. Visit intelligencecareers.gov slash NSA. That's intelligencecareers.gov slash NSA. The Pocket Now Weekly is also supported by OnePlus. The OnePlus 6T has a new color, and I have it right here. It is called the Thunder Purple, with a sleek gradient going from black on the top to purple on matte glass. It is the same speedy phone in a way you've never seen it before. Head to pocketnow.com slash OnePlus 6T for more information. What was funny was when we were coming into, uh, t- when I was driving to my office, obviously here, normally I'm recording like right there. That's why there's a light right there and tripod and whatnot. Normally I'm recording there, but then I'm, I'm, I'm at my desktop. Um, on the way here, I was thinking to myself about um, uh, some thoughts that I wanted to put into our break. And then Jules actually said um, uh, he, he, he put together like this little topic for us at the very end of this show that we're going to talk about that actually covers what, exactly what I was thinking. So I'm not going to I'm gonna keep my mouth shut <laughs> until then. Um, but I wanted to check in once again to to our two guests here. Um, so like TK, uh, didn't you just come back from from China like very recently? I did actually uh, last couple of weeks. I think actually it was the week after you were there. <laughs> we couldn't uh, work out the timing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Came in back with the uh, the Magic Two, the other the other sliding uh, phone. Speaking <laughs> of form factors, the... right? <laughs> I know. No, that when we were talking about like a punch hole, you know, screen uh, or even the camera there. There's this may not necessarily be the ideal situation for everybody, but it's definitely like as addicting as I can. <laughs> I can play this all day for you guys. I can be the background music for the entire show. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's addicting, and I just want to keep playing with it. Dude, and, it's because you uh, miss mechanical movement in your phone. Yeah. Like, but when we used I, to get and, phones, and I, that's all we would do is sit and flip the droid, open, slide it open and close all day, man. Like, Oh, man. It's satisfying, and, and this is – it's a massive – it's a powerhouse. I love it. <laughs> Jules calls it the honor fidget, too. <laughs> So right before TK actually went to China, I did check out the, uh, <laughs> I checked out the Xiaomi Mi Mix 3, which is the same concept. So slider phones are kind of making a comeback a little bit here. Um, Mark, I don't like you and I, we talk on Twitter like once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to, I want a more detail. What have you been, I haven't seen you in years. So like what, what else has been going on on your end? I remember you were streaming for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what has been going on on my end? I don't know. I'm I'm the kind of guy who wears a lot of hats. Uh, so, video like so many folks on the internet, including you, have really only seen me, known me, been been exposed to me via video. And video is like a big part of what I do. I went to film school, but video is what I do when I'm not building, when I'm not in the middle of actively doing something in some space. In 2012, I built a company called FTW. We were trying to build a, a network, a platform agnostic network save card for, for video games, for players to control their own saves, not leave them in the silo of PlayStation Network or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, these days I'm back to building, uh, but as we're building in 2018, moving into 2019, and, you know, in this era of social media and technology, every company must also be their own media company. Uh, the Mad Men era is over, so uh, we are, we are taking on uh, producing video as we're we're building up building this product at the same time. So I've been cranking out vlogs for the backlog. Got ourselves an editor, and you'll see me back doing video more frequently uh, in in the very near future. Um, but we're we're in the process of building a, a crypto card game. So we're we're making Whoa. a game a lot like uh, you might be familiar with, like Magic the Gathering or Netrunner or Hearthstone. Uh, you name it, uh, but we're we're working on a card game that has uh, underpinnings uh, to make it so that you you own the cards, uh, and we we want to treat our players a little bit less like customers, a little more like constituents. Um, mm. So that's kind of like a loaded phrase, but ultimately what it means is we want to build this game that's going to outlive us, something that we can maybe t- take to space with us as as uh, as a as the human race, uh, and something that players own the rule set for. Uh, not something that we are making unilateral decisions about, like you see with Wizards of the Coast. Something that players, uh, through play, through the system, uh, are able to define the future, the, the destiny of the game. That's nice. what I'm up to. 
Nice. That's uh, that all sounds awesome. And honestly, like I'm really happy that after all of the travel that I've that I've been doing, that when I come back, it's to you two gentlemen. You two are like some of my favorite people. So like whenever Thanks, when, whenever you guys uh, you know want to be on or whenever we need anybody, you guys are on the short list for sure. Hopefully our audience, you guys enjoy these two as well. They are awesome. So make sure you follow them all over the place. Um, I mentioned uh, I mentioned that we were talking on Twitter earlier, Mark, and our main topic or one of our topics for today has to deal with the fact that sometimes you might tweet something you don't want to tweet and yeah. uh, you wish that you had the ability to change that. Um, so apparently a little while back, uh, the Twitter CEO was actually saying that they are playing with the idea of adding the edit button on Twitter. Um, and uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, uh, he went to the Indian Institute of Technology in Delhi to launch a new campaign called Power of 18. And that ended with a question of when is it going to get an edit button? When will tweets have an edit button? And he made a lot of really good points um, that the edit button would be used in a number of different contexts. Number one, it would be a way of just correcting mistakes, but it also would be a way of actually changing a narrative. And that might actually be a bit hurtful when you think about how viral and how popular tweets themselves can be and how they might actually uh, shape public opinion. Um, So I wanted to just ask you guys, how do you feel about an edit button on something like Twitter? We obviously have edit buttons everywhere else, and Twitter is the last frontier, apparently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is such a big topic, dude. Uh, (laughs) I I have a video in the works, actually. Um, I I think I can share the name of the channel. The channel is going to be called Future Mark. Um, That's me. Uh, And the flagship video series are uh, the future of. So one of the, one of the videos we're doing is the future of Twitter, and uh, this is a, a topic in particular that is is top of mind. Um, Twitter has always been a company that's focused on what's happening now, um, but Twitter has, especially over the last three years, really uh, shown their true colors in that they're really more interested in the bottom line uh, than the integrity of the platform or in the in the well being of their users. Um, and the edit button, I think, is, is one of the things that's worth talking about. There's a bunch of other really big issues, like the prevalence of Nazis on the platform. Um, but the edit button is contentious in its own right for many, many good reasons. Um, I know that I've tweeted things all like very, very frequently where I need to correct something for the sake of a typo. Uh, and I think that the consensus is... The, the ideal scenario is, is a sort of like a buffer, a waiting period. I, you know, either you have five minutes to edit this tweet, or maybe when you click the tweet mm-hmm. button, there is a, like a 30 sec- second to 60 second buffer before the tweet is actually published, almost like, uh, you know, Gmail undo send. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, the conversation around more long-term editing features, I think, is uh, sort of like a non-starter um, because of the ephemeral nature of how Twitter sort of supposed to be used. Uh, you know, being able to go and edit a tweet after the fact, days, weeks after the fact, uh, is not is not uh, it's not representative of what actually transpired. Uh, and even if you put some sort of a safety valve in place where other users need to sort of like request the tweet or or whatever, there, there's a there's a simple way to game it is is the issue. Um, I think mm-hmm. the the more exciting question that's been floating in my mind is what if Twitter bothered uh, to actually lean into the ephemeral nature of the platform. Uh, what's happening now has always been their tagline and uh, the ephemeral nature of content has been on on everyone's minds over the last two, three years, ever since the stories format uh, rose to prevalence via Snapchat and Instagram stories. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's time for Twitter to institute a rolling window, a revolving door of tweets where it's a setting that's baked into the account saying, I want my tweets to be live for a week and then after they're live, scrub them. Um, mm. I, I think... The conversation around an edit button quickly not devolves, but uh, you know moves off into these tangential arenas uh, because it's actually a smaller facet of a much larger problem, and it's about how Twitter wants their platform to be used. Very oh, I'm 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 really intrigued by the video that you're talking about. I want to I want to see it after you've so eloquently put <laughs> all the issues into place like that, uh, which you. makes perfect sense, right? Because the 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 whole problem with giving 
Even the ability to delete, as Jules has just mentioned, even giving the ability to delete a tweet can also delete accountability. Right. Um, and granted, we do live in a world now where the moment something sensational happens, people hit that power and bottom uh, volume down button immediately in order to document it and have it available forever. So what, like that's that's the that's the weird conundrum here is that would an edit button actually combat those kinds of things? Probably not. Um, and also, they were saying in this article here, or rather, Dorsey was saying that um, we're considering edit, but we have to do it the right way. We can't just rush it out. What is the right way if if edit is an altogether type of thing, if it's an all-encompassing thing? Yeah, give everyone the ability to edit their tweets, but how do you police that? Should they police that? It's a crazy thing. And uh, TK, I want to I hear your thoughts on that. I, 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 it's, it's always, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's going to be a challenge regardless of the fact is do we do we want to be able to edit? Uh, I think if they had to approach it from maybe more of a pro- pragmatic way, would be to give us a basically an edit history, right? So allow the user to change the uh, the uh, the actual tweet, but allow to be a way for people to be able to see the original tweet. So even mm-hmm. if you correct it, what you look at the tweet, you get the the true you know final version of it, and you'll get that little asterisk at the end saying it edited. Yeah, that's and then Discord at that point, just click it, and then you can it. see the original. Yeah. yeah, and at least at that point, you're you're real. You realize that you know going in there to edit to change what you said is pointless. But if it is to go in there, which is ninety percent of what most of us want, is to go in there and fix that grammatical error or that you know where the you know speech to text didn't really translate the words correctly for that tweet <laughs> that you just hit sent to, uh, like I did, which I need to fix. Uh, I think it would solve the problem, and I think we need to be accountable for what we say on Twitter. That is true, and I think that's why we value Twitter and why why Twitter is used as a platform for so many people. It's because of the fact that you can't go in there and change it. But if you can, at least give us history. I think that would solve the problem and gives the, you know, the transparency and it removes the need for people to say, well, I can just, you know, edit it away and nothing happened. You know, history stays there. They have the space. I, yeah, I, I do think yeah. that's probably the, the way to be. I think if, if, we can, uh, if we can cover the edit history in the UI, I think that sort of solves most of the major issues, but I think it's also a matter of uh, who, who's asking for the feature. You know, why do we yep. need it so bad? Why do we want it so bad? Is it to protect our egos? Is it for us to, you know, make these like, oh, we made a typo? Uh, is it to sort of like excuse ourselves from having to think too hard before we bother to tweet? Uh, so I sort of resent them saying uh, we have to do it the right way. I mean, <laughs> they've been trying to do. They've been shipping feature after feature, alienating the developer community over the last five, six years. Like very little yeah. of what they've done has been bothered to be done the right way. So I have a hard yeah. time believing that you suddenly care now. Twitter's trying to do Twitter the right way. <laughs> yeah, right. We're trying to do right by us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, totally agree. Um, and I love the idea that you had earlier uh, before we move into our final like uh, ancillary topic here that I was talking about earlier. Um, I love the idea of... I would want to see it explored at least a little bit that tweets can vanish much like an IG story can or much like a um, much like a Snapchat would be able to. And again, it's not like it would truly combat anything because if people actually want to document the terrible or sensational things that you do, they're going to record it. Like they're, they're just gonna. That's just how yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, but I like I, I don't know. That's a curious idea to me. And then obviously you would have something like an Instagram where you do highlights or right. Snapchat does that too. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it would make people pay more attention, I feel like. So if if tweets were able to vanish and you knew that somebody had opinions that you wanted to like keep an eye on, you would keep an eye on those opinions because things go away. Um, so I don't know. It's it's weird. And just 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 the world of tech that we have these days, it just it just has so many implications to it. It's such a fascinating conversation, but also sometimes a depressing one. Oh, yeah. almost always 100% depressing. When you look around <laughs> and you're in a dystopia, it does tend to have that effect. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the weird, the only thing that I can imagine from Twitter's perspective is that in doing something like that, they're effectively saying, they're effectively shunting a huge portion of their user base off onto some other service that would be collating tweets. Because like you said, that information is going to be captured one way or another, whether mm-hmm. it's by Twitter or not. So if if, the, if someone wants to see a canonical version of everything you've ever said on Twitter, it's going to happen. So that's a third-party service right there indexing someone's Twitter account. And now suddenly the Twitter profile has been shunted off to a separate platform, no longer capturing that attention or revenue. So yeah. uh, it's got issues too, but I mean... Twitter. Jeez. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, I want to actually, do we have a number of people in our live chat right now? Uh, they've actually been kind of quiet while we've been talking about this particular topic. I want to hear what everyone has to say about this. Edit button on Twitter. Ironically, we're going to have you say it on Twitter with the hashtag PN Weekly. So let us know what you think about this particular topic. I think it's, this is the kind of stuff that we want to dive into. Like device world is one thing, but the actual implications behind our tech is something that I'm always so passionate about. Um, so let's uh, let's hear what you all have to say with the hashtag PN Weekly. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about this little email that Jules has uh, brought to our attention. Uh, Justin, one of our uh, viewers and listeners, writes, Okay, so I've been watching you guys for a few years. I currently have the LG V30 Plus. Pretty good phone. Use it as my daily driver, but I listen to a lot of music, and it being my phone, also, I don't want to kill the battery, so I have three other options, which I can't find audio reviews about. An old iPod Classic 5th Gen 30 gig. <laughs> my HTC uh, my HTC Arrive, which I think has the Zune player um, since 2011, since I used it. And uh, my HTC Evo 4G LTE with Beats Audio. All three with easy-to-replace batteries. That's true. But not sure what would be the best audio quality. Was curious if you guys had any opinions. Which kind of leads us to this whole idea. Like, a modern-day, specifically-made audio player. <laughs> this that, That's what this... A person is uh, tackling with and I'm wondering what we would say not only in his case but for our own cases uh, what we would use something that we miss using as far as audio players are concerned <laughs> oh man so iPod Classic 5th uh, Gen the HTC Arrive um, which had the Zune player in it um, I, I actually don't remember that phone um, and then the HTC Evo 4G LTE with Beats so I think I think the music conversation again. Pardon me, I'm a macro kind of guy, so it's hard for me to like touch on the micro without at least giving it the context of the macro. Um, our our music change, our music listening habits have changed so much over the last decade as human beings, and we're so used to now relying on the algorithm, TM, uh, to to teach us what to listen to next, to find us things that we already like. Um, so I'd venture a guess that most of the people watching live right now have never managed their own music media library. Uh, and that's one of the main things, like when you think about a device that's specifically for music storage, what, one of the main things I want is to literally have every song I have with me at all times. And that simply hasn't been possible since the iPod Classic, since I had mm -hmm. a tiny hard drive in my pocket with 160 gigs plus of storage in some in some scenarios. Um, that That's really, I think what I want is like something with like a stupid amount of flash storage uh, because I think it's maybe time for us to start managing our, our music libraries again uh, with the rise of Spotify in 2010, 2011 uh, and, and the streaming services that all followed suit. Uh, it is super sad uh, to feel like, and now everybody else is experiencing the same thing with MoviePass that, that I felt in like 2013 when some songs would just get ripped off of RDO, some, some licensing deal would end and that we've yeah. all sort of gotten used to on Netflix now too. Uh, movie movie passes like the perfect example of just it, it, it entirely going away which is totally possible now so now we we're curating other people's data and that's a huge reason why a fellow reader thank you for writing in uh listener uh which is why your battery is gonna why battery life is even a, a consideration because you have to worry about streaming the things you don't have on your device whether it's over wi-fi or, or over data um i just want a huge amount of storage and uh, I think that the the real answer is I think we in our heads need to switch our, our, our uh, the paradigm in our minds away from the streaming model and, and back towards the sort of self-sovereign control over custodianship over our own data model that the internet was so good at up until social media went and ruined it all for everybody <laughs> you know yeah. like we just need it's to start curating our own libraries of our own mp3s and wave files and aiff our files. own tweets our own tweets yes like <laughs> we should be in control of our own data that we share socially and publicly absolutely self-sovereignty well I, I i agree with that in a way and the uh, oh and jules just said write a journal i try my best to personally but it's it's just it's the matter of like time right because i actually had this issue happen to me yesterday where i was watching i watch a lot of food stuff on on netflix now yeah and mm -hmm. um i've been watching a ton of stuff and then the wi-fi went out for whatever reason so for about 20 minutes i was trying to figure out what could i put in the background because i tend to have something in the background i can't because everything that i watch is on some sort of streaming platform right 
So it's like I'm out. I'm, I'm out of distractions. I can't, you know. <laughs> so it's interesting how we've moved to that, and we don't have this kind of thing where, like, an iPod Classic, where you have everything that you have taken the time to actually download and to have with you all the time. Because you yeah. know, put it put it this way: if you go to a country, if like all the travel that I've done has eliminated so many different pieces of content while I'm in those other countries because mm-hmm. they just don't have it in those regions. Um, and speaking of which, speaking of regions, uh, the fact that everybody else in the world has Fresh Prince of Bel Air on Netflix, but we don't—that's just a—that's that, a—that's a crime. Yeah, it's <laughs> we have to call the prince and uh, let him know that you know, <laughs> his home turf is not being played. At least, yeah. the, I mean, I live in West Philadelphia, and I should, at the very least, of all people, I should have access to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on French. all streaming services, mind you. Yes, I love it. Dude, dude, um, definitely. Um, yeah, go for I, it. I did want to chime in real quick on the story. So I, I, I realize a lot that maybe uh, maybe you've heard, maybe you've used the service itself. Uh, there is, There are some, I mean, the word streaming is still part of the game, but uh, Plex does actually offer certain aspects that kind of give you the control that some of the some of us really really wanted out of the original ipod or uh, the apple music library even mm-hmm. curating it but getting you manage your own database um, and the way ra- the reason why i mentioned them is because i personally love using that as my way of keeping my not only music but as well as content as far as movies and so on things that i purchased and i basically put on my internal server at home and when i'm home even if the internet drops i'm still able to access it if right. i'm traveling i'm able to access it over the internet or even make it offline kind of eliminating the service part of it but more giving me control to access my own library and the amount of music that you can put on it especially now with the integration with android auto plex is an extremely powerful server based uh, and it's it runs your own private little server and it runs on either the nvidia shield uh, runs on an actual pc or you can even set it up like the way i have it on a nas Mm -hmm. and it just literally it's the best it's the best management software for your own library you can share it with family you can download content off of it uh, before you travel. So if you want to have like a long flight, yeah. it truly is the best. I, I would recommend if you haven't checked it out, Josh, uh, play a little bit with Plex. Uh, there's a yeah. free version of it that you could check it out on your local network, but it's definitely worth the t- uh, the few minutes to check it out. Easily. But that also that obviously predicates <laughs> on the idea that I would have my own local content. Correct. It, it, exactly. This is it, this is this, if you have like let's say your existing you brought up your own library, your original uh, your library from uh, iTunes and so on. It integrates with iTunes. It transfers your library over, and you're able to interact with it. So, But if you're looking to build, let's say, from now on, like you know, you buy DVDs, but you want to watch them, but you don't want to carry the disc with you, that's something mm-hmm. you could do. Uh, you purchase albums. You can save them to your drive and listen to them anywhere, in the car, on your phone, offline, online, anything. So it, it's a management tool. It works great with NAS servers or even, like I said, the NVIDIA Shield, the, the Pro model, because you have enough space to put stuff on it. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, J- Justin, just so you know, uh, just, just so we actually tackle this question of yours, um, we went on a few different like technological tangents, but that's that, that's the world that we live in right now. There's so many different options, and I, I'm glad that you have these three options that you can choose from that potentially would have really good audio quality. I don't know from experience if they would be better than the LG V30 Plus or even as good, but I'm, I'm, I'm personally... And either of the two HTC devices probably have a good DAC in there, so you probably have good audio quality in those. Um, so with that in mind, um, one thing I did want to say, you, you, Justin mentioned the Zune player. I was thinking earlier on my drive here, I kind of miss. I mean, I, I kind of miss the Zune. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And um, <laughs> for one reason, for one reason, locally on your Zune player, it used to track how many times you listen to any song, and you can see what songs you loved be based upon how many times you listen to it. And yeah. when you go into your thumbs up playlist for the Zune or your heart playlist, I forget what it was called, um, it would prioritize the songs you clearly prefer listening to more than the rest of the ones you might have in that list. That's kind of cool. And I have always I always loved that because that meant that I didn't have to do what I do in Android Auto right now while I'm driving like I did on the way here, skipping like 30 songs. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm clearly not happy with my music library, um, and there are songs that I want to hear. And Zune used to know how to prioritize that, which I, which is something that I was thinking about earlier. I wanted to bring that up today. Like, did any did either of you use the Zune? Are you saying <laughs> oh, that man. Microsoft Many had, had yes. on device machine learning way yeah. back in 2008? <laughs> That's true. That's really true. Um, but yeah, those are those are yeah. just the thoughts that I had. Um, I never used an iPod, to be honest. I actually never used an iPod. Never, never used an iPod Classic. No, never. Oh, it was damn. a Zune. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I was more on the Zune side than, than the iPod, yeah. Yeah, it was the Zune and it was the Walkman phones. Those were my local audio playing devices. And, oh man, I miss those, to be honest. Those are great. Uh, especially the Walkman phones. And that's what I want to see. Like, let's see some, let's see some more movement towards specific parts of tech so that we have a phone that is we're seeing it right now with gaming we have the razor phone the rog phone um but like it'd be great to see like an like an audio phone like a phone made from music that has the the DAC built in uh, sony makes a bunch of these walkmans that are not phones but you could put that in the phone that would make the xperia relevant again not saying it's irrelevant but it make it more relevant now yeah um yeah that kind of thing and speaking of those types of players jules actually said um he sees a lot uh, he sees a lot of stuff on amazon that are like eight gig players that are running for about fifty dollars you might need to spend more to get more storage but if you're using justin if you're using the ipod classic fifth gen 30 gig as your reference point it shouldn't be that hard to get a 16 or a 32 gig uh, audio player that potentially has a really good DAC in it for good audio quality for something like a hundred, maybe 150 bucks at the most. And I understand that, you know, price yep. is different for everybody, but um, those are options that you have. Um, and I think, you know what, I guys, I think we did it. By the way, Mark, thank you for uh, for still sticking around. Oh, happily. And then uh, on that note, thank you so much to TK Bay and Mark Bursteiner for being on today's show. So great to have you guys Thanks, on. Guys. Uh, we definitely have you on the short list for future episodes, so make sure you keep your schedules open on every Friday, which is when we have the weekly. The weekly is just as much a conversation as it is a show, so make sure you make your voices heard either in the comment sections or by emailing us at podcast at pocketnow.com. On Twitter, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. This is one of the first times I haven't had to say uh, Jaime Rivera, on Jaime underscore Rivera on, <laughs> on these. On Twitter, TK is at TKDSL8655. Uh, so you can find TK on Twitter. Um, is that also, that's not your Instagram, is it? It's, it's the same one for Instagram. It's the same one. Yeah. It's the same for both. Yeah. So Twitter and Instagram. Um, Mark, on the other hand, is at Mark B. Very simple. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Uh, Yes, and then you can follow whatever Mark is up to. He had a lot of stuff to share today, so you can follow him. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. And I, of course, can be found at JVTechT. You know me, I'm JV. I love tech and I love to drink tea. Uh, just to give one last shout out to Jules, uh, he's in the booth, was chiming in a couple of times. Our podcast uh, producer extraordinaire, you can find him at Point Jules. And Pocket Now is on Pocket Now on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube in English and Espanol, where you can find more news on the Pocket Now Daily and on Pocket Now Adario every single weekday. We would really appreciate your feedback through Google, Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or wherever you might be streaming us. Because without you, we wouldn't have been able to make this show for your eyes and ears for now 330 two episodes straight with all that said whatever you're doing stay fresh all of you guys and we'll talk to you next week which is actually black friday so as long as we're not showing up with black eyes and bruises all over (laughs) um which is something you don't get on cyber monday let me just say that way um we will see you next week on black friday so we'll see you on the next one Aha. This. Dude, I can't wait. Mine's not getting <laughs> here till next week. D Brand just sent me one. Oh, sweet. Um Oh, dude, I can't. Is it gorgeous? Mine's at home in the box. It's dope, dude. It. I no need for a skin or a case on this one, man. Oh, dude, it looks so sick. Ah. Yeah, man. I'd f- it. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's the joke I yeah. always have with my brother because uh, my brother actually uses that phrase. Um, I, I'd f- with this, but whenever he says that, I make fun of him, and I'm and I'm like, yeah, I'd f- it. <laughs> I, I too would fornicate <laughs> with said device. I also need to get it out of my system before we go live. <laughs>